previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. I think there's a big difference between acceptance and giving up. And it's a very fine line, but you know, you have to have some tough conversations that, yeah, it might not ever heal the, and you have to live with it going forward. You are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite Podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments. If you're small crime for temporary, the sick invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? Hello, hello. I'm here. I'm good. How are you? I, I am fab- fabulous. What, what does that mean? I was going to say fantastic and fabulous, and it came out fabulous. All right, so which would be better? Which On the on your ranking your adjectives, is fabulous higher than fantastic? They're both pretty fantastic? up there, but they one has a little pizzazz, and the other one doesn't. Well, well, fabulous has a little... Fabulous I has like spirit fingers. Fab, what? Fantastic has no pizzazz? What are you talking about? Fantastic has tons of pizzazz. It, it has pizzazz, but fabulous has more pizzazz. All right, ra- rank them, or we can't move on with the segment here. <laughs> Which is better? So you went to the fabulous. doctor and I'm said, Kayla, are you feeling good or are you feeling... I'd say fabulous. That's the best one. Yeah. And if she said, I was fantastic, the doctor would be like, oh, well, well then if what's bothering If he asked me, if, if I said fantastic, I it, I feel like it's actually coming off a little snarky. Like, how are you? Fantastic. So <laughs> I can only be sarcastic? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. This show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Yeah, buy those because I just quit my job. Um, do you like our show? Please tell everyone about it. Follow us, like us, and share our content at the Sick Invite Podcast. We also have some merchandise available, including our premium hoodies, which me and Ricky just bought ourselves some, and they are also fabulous. Fantastic, I would even say. <laughs> We are now on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get early access to our episodes and bonus content, which is mostly us talking about movies. Please send us your story through our website. There's a form to fill out at the bottom of the page, and we'll contact you with further instructions on how to come on our show. All right, we got another great question in the Klaus Q&A. The Klaus, right. Klaus and A, as I've been calling it. Or the Q and Klaus, whatever you prefer. Uh, this question for Klaus says, uh, to producer Klaus, uh, hello, um, <clears throat> I am just about to finish my first book. I've never completed a book before, and I was wondering, what do I do with the book once I've completed it? I thought about saving it and putting it on a shelf, but I th- also thought about maybe donating it to charity. Do you have any suggestions? What do you normally do? Thank you. And so, that's a fair question. Yeah. What do you do What do you do you with books when you finish them? They're on the shelf. You keep them on the shelf? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird thing with the book because, I mean, people go back to them sometimes. If you're an academic especially, sometimes you go back and you reference things and it's good to have. It's, it's almost like a trophy. It's like an accomplishment of uh, – yeah. but a lot of people don't have books anymore. A lot of people that are – you know, I mean, you don't obviously care about the environment because you keep ordering them. But <laughs> some people, you know, do electron like a Kindle or they have to do something online and they can have all the books there, which is probably better. I, I got, I'm a little guilty pleasure though, but, I, I you know, they're, I like them. Let's see what Klaus says. Klaus writes, <coughs> hello, listener. I have never completed a book, uh, but I do have several hundred thousands, uh, several several hundred magazines that I keep on on. I use to prop up my lamp. Thank you so much for reaching out, and I hope to hear from you soon. Do you think they're dirty magazines? <laughs> Why do you always go? You know how many types of magazines there are. It's he either There's has so dirty many. magazines they're or prob- highlights children's magazines. No, they're probably they do they have like audio magazines like for like audio files, audio files mm-hmm. or or for like, you know, tech, they have all different types of stuff. He's a producer, so he probably has all that type of stuff. But he did the classic you stack them up and you put your desk lamp on, which I think is a fire hazard, but hey. Mm. What am I, the fire marshal? What do I care? <laughs> well, come on, what do I care? <laughs> on today's show we have Kayla Miklich. So, Kayla, what's wrong with you? Um, I am an ocular melanoma survivor. What does that mean? Um, so basically I had melanoma in the iris of my right eye. And um, I went through treatment and everything for it. And now I am cancer free. So how did we figure that out because melanoma I think a lot of people are familiar with like checking for spots and weird looking freckles and moles but how I would have never thought to look in my eyeball for something yeah like me that. either um 
me either at all. It was something that my family had never heard of or even thought of. Um, basically, when I was like a young teen, maybe like 13, even 12, um, at my ophthalmologist, like my routine yearly glasses checkup, he found an iris nevus, which is like a little beauty mark or like a freckle on your iris, which is the colored part of your eye. So like in the blue part of my eye, there was like a little freckle. And he was like, you know, this is nothing to be concerned about. We're just going to watch it every year. And, you know, it's just a little pigmentation. Shouldn't feel any way about it. And every year he watched it. And then fast forward a couple years later, I was at like Pearl Vision getting like an eye exam. And the optometrist there was like, have you ever been told you have this large growth on your iris of your right eye? And I'm like, no, like. Uh, what are you talking about? I was told I have a nevus, which is a freckle. And he's like, no, this is much larger. You might have to have surgery. You might have to have it cut out. And I left Pearl Vision with no glasses, but in tears. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I went back to my ophthalmologist and he referred me to some type of like, you know, specialized eye surgeon who I absolutely hated. And I was like, I'm not seeing this doctor. I hate this man. I had such a weird feeling and just trusted my gut and went back to my ophthalmologist and he referred me to my current oncologist now, who I love and adore and trust with my life, obviously. And um, I went to him and that's kind of how my journey had started. So when you say, so your ophthalmologist was watching it (laughs) regularly, but then Mm -hmm. when you went to this other eyeglass place they observed it so did he just miss it or was there just like it, it grew it, it grew it grew that much since the like, last time he was there yeah it freakishly just like blew up ah, I a see. really short period of time and um it raised a large concern for him and he didn't really know much about it an optometrist i don't even know if they're actually a doctor i could be wrong about that but i don't think they're really even a doctor um but he kind of jumped to all these conclusions and absolutely freaked the life out of us. <laughs> but I, but we think so we're thinking that he would this uh, so your regular doctor would have caught it if you would have yeah. went there first. That's what we're guessing. Yeah. It wasn't that he yeah, was just cuz it seems like he was doing the right thing by keeping an eye on it not to no pun intended there, but you see <laughs> what I'm saying. Um I always think that cuz I know when the uh, actually I was saying this on a different podcast when I get my eyes checked and then they put up the, um, I think Kayla, I saw you looking at some before, so I don't know if she sent those over, like the pictures of your eye and what it looks like with the with the x-rays and the insides and then what the eye looks like and stuff like that. I remember when they showed my eyes, like, because I also have a a, a, a a freckle on one of my... Um, yeah, three freckles. On the, on the color, what is it, what's the color part called? Iris. Iris. The iris, so I have one on there, and so I always think that's the thing. And then, so whenever they show me my eye, I also have dry eyes as well. I feel like my eyes are really bad, but then whenever they show them to me at the doctor, they show the big picture, and they look like it's all like just like veins and whatever not veins, but those little lines, and it's all stuff. And I always think, like, oh no, like they're bad, and they go, like, they look great, like big thumbs up. And I was like, I don't, doesn't make any sense to me. So how much were they, like, explaining this stuff to you as you were going? Like, when they explained to you... I mean, you used some terminology just before when you were explaining it. Is that something that you learned kind of through this process? Or is this something... Like, did you have any familiarity with the the eyeball and the biology of the eyeball prior to that? I don't know what your background is particularly. Um, Not too much before. I really tried to make myself well-versed in the beginning of this just so I would kind of know what to expect and be more knowledgeable going forward um but no it was a lot to learn there's still so much like a lot of the exams I get now I don't even know what they're for honestly (laughs) like (laughs) there's just so much that I don't know because it's just such an I don't know complex organ of your body I would say yeah Yeah, we learned that on Kelly's episode um yeah at just how complicated the eye is and how many eye doctors there are so how many Sure. <laughs> yeah that, what, what is your eye doctor team like um so I have my oncologist who is like an ophthalmic oncologist he only specializes in cancers in the eye and then he has a PA who I also see I saw a radiation oncologist I have an optometrist a cataract surgeon and an ophthalmologist 
So those are all my wow. doctors. Yeah. When you were when you were getting introduced to all of this, kind of similar to what I was saying before, when you were kind of getting ahead of it and learning about all this stuff, when you started to do that, w- were you just doing straight up like Google searches, like start there, let me just read everything, and then what were you going to? Were you doing a lot of like WebMD stuff, or were you doing more like here's a Reddit post about somebody who said they had the same thing? Did you where did you do a little bit of both? So I did try to kind of Google things. Um, the cancer that I was diagnosed with is super, super rare. So there's not much information like on Google. I would assume that if you went like on a, like a university's like database or something where you have like accredited like studies and published works, like stuff like that, there would be more information, but Google doesn't have much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is just like a general like knowledge base but nothing too in-depth and definitely nothing on like reddit or even instagram it's just like there's no other there's no communities of like groups and awareness and oh really i will we'll get i will get into the specifics of of uh your case and and kind of what that is but um what about just like stuff about the eyeball like were you like looking up like googling like what is an ophthalmologist and (laughs) what is it not like wait I, I I don't know anything about that. And is that something that helps you with that kind of stuff? Like, do you en- like yeah. have that information? Yeah. Definitely. Um, I feel like also just through the whole experience, we kind of became so familiar with everything because my oncologist is very good at explaining and breaking mm-hmm. things down. And especially my parents, they'll be in, you know, in the room with me and they'll be like, okay, can you explain that? Like, can you dumb that down? And cause I have a medical background, so I understand a lot more i would say oh okay um but he's very good at you know kind of breaking it down and putting it in simpler terms i would say wow i mean and that's got to be when you have your medical background what is your medical background um i'm an x-ray tech oh okay so then so let me ask you this then maybe as in your opinion i don't know if you do any like explaining about stuff but what that's got to be don't you think like a skill to like be able to translate well, as the tech, you're not allowed to say anything, right? To the no, you're not allowed to disclose anything. To right. The patient, yeah. So she. Kn- but you usually know exactly <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. But so probably in terms of explaining things to, to yeah, patients, you, know, you, you know, probably have. Yeah, you've no help with no help with this conversation <laughs> in that. But, Kale, have you had experience with, and maybe you have as well, because it sounds like you had a bad a bad surgeon, uh, the original surgeon you said you didn't like. Yeah, he was he was horrible. He just definitely had like a bad bedside manner in general. Um, he rubbed me the wrong way and I was like, I don't ever want to see this man again. I don't yeah. trust him with my eyeball and my sight and my vision. And were there any specific things that gave you that feeling? Cause I always find it interesting, like kind of what you were saying, like there's though, there's those doctors who are able to really kind of present the information well. And I think that's a big part of, of kind of being an active, uh, patient or being an, an active person who's trying to uh, recover or to, to, to get better. It's kind of being able to understand what's going on and you know some doctors can do that well and some doctors can't was there anything specific about this person that you didn't like you don't have to get into specifics obviously but was it was it more of just his practice like ability to be a doctor or was it just kind of a vibe sometimes a vibe is big i i would say it was mostly the vibe for me i mean at this point i was like 21 years old you know i could kind of have a pretty good sense of judgment of character um not to say that he's like a bad doctor or anything he just wasn't for me um I didn't think he was specifically well um trained in the type of path I was heading down I don't think that he was the right doctor for me and I'm glad I decided to go otherwise because he just didn't seem very confident to treat you know what was happening with me and how did you, because I think this is something that, Kayla, you've talked about before, is kind of not being gaslit by doctors and, and making sure you have somebody who's good for you. How did you back out of that doctor and how did you, like, how, how did you maneuver out of that? It seems like you just went back to your other doctor and was like, how about try try something else? Yeah, basically. Um, That's a big I just deal. Left, I just left the consultation that day and then I co- actually called my um, ophthalmologist and I was like, I did not like him at all is there anyone else you have? Because I had known it was such a small specialty. You know, I really didn't have many other options. And I had Mm -hmm. two more options, one being my current oncologist and then one other being his, 
the, the doctor who trained my oncologist who is in Philly. So it was either go to Manhattan or go to Philly. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I but picked that a the big lesser deal? of the two evils. Kayla, don't you think it's like that's a huge that's you push you gotta that specify all. which Kayla you're talking to. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at of <laughs> our host, host Kayla. Isn't that like you you talk about that quite a bit in terms of like being able to? Because I mean, there's a lot of people that you know, like especially like what you're saying, uh, guest Kayla, is like the you know, especially when someone's a specialty in a certain area and it's a lot of work to find a new one. Like some people may just be like, just go along with it, and yeah. then they have a miserable experience. Well, I, th- I think so. Uh, me and Kayla M, who's always Kayla M in my brain, the guest, uh, our guest, uh, we kind of went through this all at the same time of her going through the eyeballs, me going through my Crohn's. So we were always just both falling apart physically (laughs) (laughs) and we were working together at the time. So, but I mean, I think we both have a lot of strong willed women in our, in our lives that were like, would not tolerate it if you're not happy. So it was never really, it was like, Never really an issue for us to be like, oh, I don't like him. I'm moving on. Natural to your personality to yeah. say something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's Absolutely. great. That's great. And what benefit it seems to have had with your, with with your treatment. It seems. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, so I started seeing him, and he was at Sloan Kettering at the time, and he was like not too concerned. You know, he definitely seemed well-trained and well-experienced in the type of cancer and um, dealing with eyes and all of that stuff. Um, so I started seeing him. He was like, I'm going to see you every six months. We're just going to watch it, monitor it, do all of these tests and exams, and then we'll go from there. So I did that for a year. I went every six, I went twice. So I went every six months. And then after that, he was like, it's kind of growing a little faster than we would like it to, to grow. Um, so then he started seeing me every three months and, um, after that, I saw him every three months for a year, and then that's when he finally diagnosed me based on all of the scans and measurements and tests and everything. So what was, so you got diagnosed, and in my brain, like, I always think that, like, oh, you get diagnosed, like, treatment starts tomorrow. Um, was that the case with you, or did you have to wait and figure out exactly what they wanted to do with you treatment plan wise after finding out exactly what was going on no he was really awesome he i he told me he diagnosed me and i scheduled my surgery in the same day wow yeah he was like we're not waiting i don't care that you're graduating college like graduate college you're gonna walk and on friday and then monday you're going in for surgery do you so do you know what the threshold was you know he said he was watching it for a few months and then um you know, te- doing tests, and then on this day he diagnosed it. Do you do you know what it was that kind of puts it over the line where he was able to kind of stamp a diagnosis on it? I don't know specifically. I do know that it had certain characteristics that would classify it as um, an iris melanoma. Mm-hmm. Since I didn't have any type of biopsy or anything, we couldn't go based off that because the risks of doing that were much, much greater than, you know, not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um so basically it had grown a certain amount over a certain period of time I really don't know what the specifics were but it was starting to grow aggressively and it had um a specific type of like vasculature so it had all of these vessels going in and out of it giving it a blood supply um which was aiding in its growth so just on those characteristics it was kind of like uh this is a no-brainer. We need to act now and quickly. I see. The type so, of cancer it is is very aggressive, so he wanted to be fast before it spread. Was this something that they didn't really know 100% that it was cancer until they did the surgery and then could test it afterwards? Or did they, like, biopsy tested. or eyeball? Oh, no? Um, they just, like, yeah, knew? No. Um, yeah, just based on the characteristics alone, because if we had biopsied it... Um, it could cause like severe intraocular bleeding, which would have given me many more complications. And it also, like you puncture the tumor itself. So when that happens, you open it essentially, and then can cause it to seed to other parts of your eye or um, into like your, like into your drain, you know, your drainage through your tear duct and into your lymphatic system. And it can spread to other parts of your body. So it didn't really seem like the risk was worth, the reward at that point it was kind of like this is what we got to do 
Well, mm-hmm. w- would the, I'm guessing that it, at any at, as if it was still growing, even if it wasn't, and I don't actually even know what it means to be cancerous or if it's just a large. It would if it was just a growth of a certain thing. It, I would think that that would still not be good for the eye if it was still growing, right? I mean, that would be bad either way. Even if it was benign. Yeah, I would think yeah. so. Like, and, and what was it giving you any difficulty besides it being, you know, obviously something that was still growing and the danger of that? Was there any issues with it? Just would like, would you even have noticed it if somebody hadn't pointed it out to you? Were you physically no. feeling it? No, I had oh, wow. absolutely no symptoms. Um, n- nothing whatsoever. You can you can still see it. I do still have the tumor, but at that time it was larger. The radiation actually shrunk it. Mm-hmm. But at that time it was larger. Um, you could look at me and see it just looking at me really close. But it was so. You know, I sent you guys a a bunch of photos of it. Um, yeah. It was like such a tan color, kind of just blended in with the blue of my eyes. So you wouldn't really like. I never noticed it until I went to the doctor that day, and oh he was wow, like, you have you have a huge tumor on your eye. <laughs> it, and it's so scary because just relative to the size of the human body, like a, your eye is small in general, and then it's something within your eye. Like you would not think that something so small could cause such damage to you and could you know potentially right. be deadly um so i'm so happy that you were persistent and looked into it because a lot of people would be like eh, it's fine it's nothing <laughs> but it's clearly not and there's no pain that's the thing yeah i'm gonna pull mm-hmm. up the picture ricky because you can see because i remember looking at your eyeball and seeing yeah. it <laughs> myself the picture i sent you guys is actually a year after my treatment so at that point it was already shrunken down a little but you can kind of see how it was protruding into my pupil. So, like, to answer your question, Ricky, I guess at some point it would have maybe affected my vision since it was growing into my pupil. And right. That, like, my doctor describes it as, like, a little, like, branch or, like, arm, like, kind of reaching out of it, giving it that, like, pointy shape. Yeah. But yeah. I would, but, but, so the fact that it's growing means that it's cancerous. So if it wasn't cancerous, the likelihood is that it wouldn't, it would be just, it wouldn't move. That's kind of what that means, right? Am I just making that up completely? I'm, I'm, I'm looking not sure. At, I'm, look, I'm, looking at, yeah, I'm looking at either of I'm you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like you could but see, I could it, see it, yeah. it, like like the zoomed in ones. But yeah. yeah, yeah, you could see, and it looks different from the spots that are on your eyes. Like yours look more like freckles. Hers that looks like that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, my doctor calls it a tapioca ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> I remember. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the surgery? Because I remember you explaining it to me. And I think you drew a picture like of how they're going to just like cut that part out of your eye. And that like <laughs> it would have changed your pupil. Um. Yeah. So when he diagnosed me, um, he was like, you have two options. But if you were my sister, you would do this. And that would be, like there would be no discussion. Like you're going to do this one because the other one is going to. It's not a good route. So the not so great route was to cut the tumor out but since it's your eye and the tissue is so delicate and you know complex they can't just resect a tumor from your iris they would have to cut that like wedge of your iris out and then close it so your pupil the black part would then be like a teardrop so i would always have like a deformity in my eye and then you know potential vision loss bleeding in my eye just it opened up so many, so many more risks for me. Um, so we decided against that. We decided against the biopsy and we decided against biopsying the tumor for research just because of the same risks, unfortunately, which there's not a lot of research because it's so rare, but I had and to which, do what was w- best for me. Which one did did, he, did the doctor say you should do? Um, so he said that I should do a radiation treatment. Oh, okay. Um. So I wound up doing that a month later from my diagnosis and they basically take a little plaque. It's like a metallic little, looks like a saucer, like a dish and they suture it onto your eyeball and it has little like radioactive pieces in it and then it remains on for 72 hours and then they have another surgery where they remove it. So you go undergo like your entire radiation in like the same 72 hour period instead of going like once or twice a week for however many weeks was that like an outpatient quick little thing or was this a major yeah, what do you mean by you su- under? What, yeah, what's suture what does that mean 
Um, so basically what happened was I went to the hospital and I went under a surgery where they cut the conjunctiva. So that's like the membrane on your eye. They removed that and then they literally sew the metal plaque onto your eye. Oh my. And it remains there. Yeah. So they did that on a Monday and then I stayed in a lead lined room for four days by myself. Um, my visitors couldn't be there for more than two hours a day just because I was exposing them to radiation. I couldn't have anyone within six feet of me. I couldn't leave my room. <laughs> so it was a weird journey. Um, and then on the fourth day after the treatment was complete, I went back in the OR and then they removed the plaque and kind of bandaged me up and I went on my way. And here I am thinking they like put a contact lens on you to, <laughs> to, to, to yeah, that's, do the radiation. That's, that's intense. Yeah. And yeah, that was at was Sloan Kettering? Rough. It was, my do- my doctor had actually moved to Columbia Presbyterian, so it was there mm-hmm. at the time. So was this painful? Because the eyeball's weird, right? With um, like a ner- nerves and stuff. Like, did you feel all of this happening or... Yes. Were you just more, yeah, go ahead. Tell me everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was very painful. I like to think I have like a very high pain tolerance just from other trauma that I've, you know, physical trauma that I've had. Um, but I think in the first surgery, when they adhered the plaque to my eye, they gave me like a nerve block in my face. Mm. So I wouldn't feel too much pain, but you know, eventually that wears off. So my face was like, I had like, um, like Novocaine face, like total like droopy dentist face and I was so swollen so 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 big um that the nerve block lasted until the night before I left so Wednesday night um it kind of really wore off and I was in a lot of pain especially because they were giving me sets of three drops every four hours or something like that because I had to to have like anti-inflammatory steroid antibiotic all these types of drops being put in my eye Um, routinely so when that nerve block wore off I was in excruciating pain so they started giving me like um like oxycodone and I don't like being high I don't like feeling high (laughs) I don't like feeling weird um I had like a full-blown panic attack and decided that I would just coast with no medicine because I would rather deal with the pain than feel high because it was just way too much to deal with both at the same time mm-hmm. yeah i don't like painful. that feeling either um it's especially if you already are a person that has anxiety it just kind of amplifies that. yeah they almost called the rapid on me <laughs> oh because i was like i they put me on oxygen because i was like i can't breathe i was freaking out but oh like after oh, the, oh you mean after after they gave that to you yeah after they gave me the the pain medicine i was just like yeah on another planet i was so high Right. <laughs> I could not handle it. <laughs> right, right. I really could not handle it. Oh my god! And you probably can't like eat too right after surgery, so you're taking that on like a, a weak body, an empty stomach. That's just yeah. Well, I, I barely ate. I barely what, ate those. Did they give days, you? But... Did they give you an IV, or they would you would have to try to eat? With, um, during during I should say. During I was like eating. I was like fine. Um, I was eating, but I didn't really want to eat. Like, I had no appetite, really. Um, right. But, yeah, I had an IV. But um, but I just, I don't know. I was in the hospital. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. Well, I think if you go under, you can't have food in your stomach in case they before. have to intubate yeah. you or something so that you don't yeah. choke on it. Um, well, I just meant because of the whole face. If your, well, face yeah. if your face was numb like that, I felt like it would be difficult to eat at all. So I wonder if they would just... But they would still, I guess, try to eat some stuff with the yeah whatever you had. So this to. was um all a couple of years ago, and you're still kind of going through maintenance on your eyes. So is this something that you're just gonna have to manage forever and keep an eye on, or well, were your other surgeries and stuff separate? Kayla, before this? you jump to that, we didn't really hear about what the actual outcome of this was. Oh yes, rewind. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I had the treatment, and then I had a follow up month later with my oncologist and they did um they did other scans too before my treatment just to make sure it didn't spread anywhere so I had a CT of my head um 
to make sure it didn't spread anywhere else in my head and to kind of map out my radiation treatment. And then they also did an MRI of my abdomen to make sure it didn't spread to my liver. For whatever reason, this type of cancer wants to attack your liver. So um, answering your other question, I get routine MRIs every year now to check my liver. Um, that's for the rest of my life. I'll be getting an MRI and I go to my doctor, my oncologist. I see him right now. I'm seeing him every six months just because I had another surgery in March, but, um, he expects I'll be seeing him once a year for the rest of my life also. But that original treatment was that we just talked about. Was that successful in terms of what it was aimed to do? Yeah. So, um, six months after the procedure, he deemed the tumor dead I still have it. It's still there. It's shrunken down a lot. He's actually right. like super impressed with how small it is. It's much more smaller than he had anticipated it to be. So that's always amazing. Oh, good. And um, yeah, so six months from then I was deemed like cancer free. Oh, great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember hearing that. And then I remember waiting for you because you were, I guess for the folks at home, I should say that we're, we're pals. Um, if that wasn't obvious already, but I remember you waiting for those MRI results to just like know that like we're good and that there isn't anything else to worry about for this specific issue. And that like is the longest, most excruciating wait to just hear the news, good or bad. So that was a lot for me and it wasn't even (laughs) happening to me. So can you tell us a little bit more about your mental health throughout this experience like you told us all the physical stuff all the eyeball stuff but where were you how were you feeling throughout mm-hmm. all of this mm-hmm. um so through this journey I don't know if it exacerbated my anxiety or made me realize I had always had anxiety um or a little I think it's a little bit of both sure but um I definitely went through like the worst mental health states I would say of my life um like I said, like when I went in for the first surgery in the pre-op room, I was having, they had to give me Xanax. I was having a full-blown panic attack. My surgeon came in he's like, he's laughing. He's like, what, what is going on? Like, you're going to, I'm fine. You're fine. Everyone's okay. You're, you're a trooper. Like you're going to fly through this and you're going to be fine. Like, why are you freaking out? Um, I remember when I did the first MRI, I had a full-blown panic attack. They had to give me something. Um, in the hospital, I had a panic attack. When I came home, I had such a bad panic attack that actually made my parents take me to the ER because I was convinced I was having a heart attack. <laughs> um, but that's like my medical brain automatically going to something physical. I'm like, I have a clot somewhere. I was in the hospital laying down. Like, I have a DVT. You have to take me to the hospital. I was having an anxiety attack. Um had anything and like then, that had anything like that ever happened prior to this whole ordeal? You never had any issues with that no, previously? No, I never. I mean, I definitely had now that I look back, I had certain things that were like anxious tendencies or like sure. little obsessions and compulsions and stuff like that, but never anything to this degree. Um after my treatment, I started X-ray school the week after and there was not like I had to make up I think 21 days of clinicals in a year's worth of time just because some days I would call out because I literally just could not get out of bed I was so anxious and I could not I was just like I cannot do this today and I listened to myself and I stayed home but you know I, I paid for it but it was definitely a rough rough journey mm-hmm. now did this experience influence your decision to go to radio radiology school um, no, it was kind of just coincidental, and at the time when my doctor diagnosed me, I'm like, should I be doing something else? Like, obviously I have issues with my eyes as it is. Should I not be exposing my eyes to more radiation than necessary? He's like, nope, like, I do the surgery and I'm exposed to the radiation and I'm fine. Like, it was just like a freak thing that happened to me, and I definitely went into the medical field wanting to immerse myself in more knowledge just because of my other medical issues and just gain more knowledge and have more insight and feel like I have an upper hand and more empowered but definitely was very coincidental to my diagnosis. Do you ever have any difficulties just based on your experience in terms of it? I know you mentioned you know being anxious about certain things or having any some sort of panic. Is there any sort of like 
triggering effect of the of the work you do based on your own experiences you're kind of able to kind of separate the two out or there's really no connection for you yes there's a big connection um i feel like what i've been through pushes me to be better to people not that i would be a bad person but i feel like i have a a heightened sense of compassion towards people right um on the other hand sorry i'm getting like (laughs) um when i do see people who are really sick um it does hit closer to home i feel like and um it's hard to to look at people and say that could be me you know Mm -hmm. so that's definitely hard yeah and like especially seeing it and knowing that the person laying there is about to get bad news that can't be easy especially since you can't even comfort them to tell them the news um that's not an easy position to be in but uh, we need you we need people like you and you've worked (laughs) through this whole pandemic too so that was yes how did that affect you (laughs) Um, so that was also a huge toll on my mental health. Um, you know, not to tread lightly, but we saw a lot of people succumb to COVID and other illnesses and trauma. And it was just a lot. And there was the constant fear of, okay, am I going to catch COVID and die this week? Or am I going to catch COVID and kill my family this week? Or so that was another thing I was really struggling with my anxiety then too um Mm -hmm. but also luckily through covid since there was nothing else to do i became very active and i was able to focus on my mental health more because everything else kind of took a pause so i feel like in the beginning it was pretty bad but now i am probably the best i've been in the last three and a half years so oh that's great yeah we love that (laughs) yes it's very good to feel this way and not wake up feeling the dread every day yeah so what are you doing to to feel better are you going to therapy or do you do your own measures to unwind um so i've been saying for three years that i'm going to go to therapy and i don't (laughs) (laughs) um my mom like tries to push me my my oncologist has a melanoma support group like an ocular melanoma support group my mom's like you should go you should really go and i'm like no um so I, i'm i'm with mom there i think you should go well yeah. well hold on now now let me ask this so in terms of the melanoma support group, i know you mentioned before that like in terms of a, a community type thing this being a rare thing so there isn't that much of a community is this more of a general version of that i i'm not sure I'm honestly not sure. Um, I know it's ran by my oncologist, so I'm assuming it's like an ocular melanoma type thing, but right. this is just being negative, Nancy, but from my <laughs> understanding, like this type of cancer is pretty much unheard of in my age group, so I don't want to sit in a room with like 60-year-old people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you I know? see. Like, well, I, I like was going to ask yeah, you I that see. next because it is yeah, – it's a whole different experience you know like their careers weren't put on pause really to to do this you were like just starting your career and and this is such a like still a formative age to have this happen to you so their experiences like they might relate to you in some regard but it's totally different so you may just relate more to like (laughs) a chronically ill and disabled young professionals group (laughs) more than anything else yeah, so, I don't know, I've been saying forever I'm going to go to therapy, but I'll get there one day. <laughs> um, right. For a while, like, the only way I got through x-ray school was, like, CBD gummies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sounds so stupid, but literally I was, like, not able to make it through the day without taking CBD because I would just feel my anxiety and my panic attacks just completely take over my entire being. Um, that helped me for a long time. And now I feel like just taking like the right vitamins and supplements and I exercise like three times a week and just the endorphins from that make me feel amazing, which is Mm -hmm. so good that it's such an easy thing to help myself. Like I wish it was that way for everyone because I know how hard it is, but drugs were not the answer for me. I -hmm. definitely tried, um, I tried like Xanax and stuff, but I was just like, I'm floating 
to outer space and I <laughs> want to get off this ride right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it could be too much. Um, yeah. It was, it was making things way worse. So <laughs> floating to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hear you though. I, I get it. And I, I think that a lot of people think that you have to do one or the other and there's also combinations. Some people love to take their pills and then go for a run and some people don't want to do either of those things, but there's no answer of what's right or wrong to address your anxiety and it's, but figuring it out is not easy. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that you found that and that it's as simple as working out because it's everybody yeah. could do that and it's so mm -hmm. accessible um so i'm i'm happy that that's that's working for you um how are you feeling otherwise physically your eyeballs are good uh, yeah, how is your eyesight generally speaking has your eyesight gotten worse just as a I'm, I'm guessing this type of radiation would have some effect on it but maybe it doesn't um yes so i've always had really bad vision um like in my left my other my good eye I'm like almost legally blind. My vision is so bad. Um, so so your wait, so your eyesight is worse in the unaffected eye. <laughs> yes. Wow. Ironically, yeah. Wow. So like when I say my good eye, it's like neither of them are good. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what had happened was with the radiation, um, it causes a cataract on your lens of your eye. So in March this year, I just had cataract surgery actually um to get it rid of the cloudy cataract i was constantly seeing in my right eye um but with that since i'm you know 25 and health you know healthy to a certain extent and i don't have a cataract in the other eye it's been a very exhausting and emotional and just angering journey to figure out how to see out of like my eyes together because the way that they put the lens in my right eye now the you know the cataract lens they um they were only able to make me monovision instead of like I don't know what the other like be able to see Sorry. near and far I can only see near now in my right eye just because of my line of work if they gave me the um the other type of lens I wouldn't have been able to see in dim light which is my entire work environment mm -hmm. um so right now I have two eyes that see differently and they don't want to work together so we're trying to figure out what's best in terms of prescription and contacts and combinations and it's been a been a very long journey I feel well, like it's I would guess that yeah. something like laser eye surgery would be off the table for you right I mean that seems like yes. an obvious thing yeah yeah that is com I'm totally no longer a candidate for either of my eyes for laser surgery yeah um just because my vision in my left eye is so bad and all the complications in my right eye I have like chronic dry eye now because I have no conjunctiva anymore um and many many other reasons but that won't work for me. So trying to make it work with my cataract lens. <laughs> Were you also the youngest person to have cataract surgery <laughs> in that hospital? No, it, it, it feels like that, but no, I was not. Um, I'm definitely the youngest person whenever I go to the doctor, but they assure me that I'm not the youngest. Yeah, I was going to say, otherwise we should get like a, uh, we should get like a Guinness uh, world record people involved, I would think, yeah. if, if that was actually true. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, but um, that's why they also don't know how to regulate it because everyone else has both eyes that need cataract surgery. Right. So that's right. why they're kind of stumped in terms of what to do about because they couldn't fully correct my vision with the cataract lens. Mm -hmm. So I still require either a glass like glasses or a contact in the right eye, but since I can only see in one type of vision, I need like a bifocal. Is, only is, in one eye. Is a monocle on the table? <laughs> <laughs> so many people have asked me that. It's so funny to me. I don't even know. Wow, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think what? it's. But you know, you know, Zarkia. I think that it's silly though, because you have to like, you have to like hold it in your. In your yeah, it doesn't seem efficient. Like, 
No, it yeah. seems like it's very uncomfortable. That's why I don't know. That's probably why they went out of style, I would guess. Yeah. The bifocals. Um, That's what you had, Nokia? I don't have them anymore. I had them when I was on steroids because prednisone can damage your eyes. So that was supposed to slow down how fast my prescription was changing. Um, but they're so much more expensive to get progressive lenses than to get um, regular single vision. Um, and I haven't been on prednisone that high of a dose in a long time. So now we just don't do I okay with the single lens. But um, they're a lot to get used to. Have you tried them yet? I felt like yes. I was drunk the first time I put them on. Yeah. So um, just due to my like chronic dry eye and all the, they put like a plug in my eye to try to help it. And I use artificial tears and all this stuff. Nothing really has kind of rid me of dry eye. So with that, I get severe migraines, like right-sided migraines in my front of my head. And um, putting in the bifocal contact I was like, I felt like I had daggers in my head, like trying to get used to that contact. I was like, this is not going to work. And yeah. from what I understand, they're very expensive. I was just doing, tri- I'm still like, I've had like 80 different trials of contacts right now. Um, but just the way it was with the bifocal one eye and like regular single vision lens in one eye, the other eye, I was just like, my eyes are not, <laughs> yeah. not making it happen. So... But yeah, the the bifocal was rough. Yeah, seemed like the answer, yeah. but it was definitely not the answer. Yeah, they even told me they're like use your old glasses to drive home and then put these on. And I was like, what are they talking about? And then I got in the car, like, oh god, and I yeah. changed them back out. And that's with two eyes that had they were using them. So I cannot. My brain like doesn't understand that 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 would happen to your to have two different eyes like that. Yeah, it seems like when I was going for the cataract surgery consults, it seemed like everything was good on paper, but now that I'm living it, it's like I kind of almost even regret doing it. Like, I would have just rather had a little bit of the blur from the cataract, which would eventually have gotten worse. It's kind of inevitable, but just now kind of have, like, I'm at the point where I have to decide if I want to see distance all the time or I want to read all the time. It's like, there's really no in between. One's always going to be blurry for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other eye has to kind of compensate, but it sucks when you're like, you want to see something beautiful and yeah. you kind of yeah. can't, or you can't, you miss the exit cause you can't read the sign, but <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you make a U-turn, you know, it's, it is what it is. There's a lot yeah. I have to be grateful for and I'll deal with a little bit of blur, you know, I, ha- I do have my vision and my life. So yeah, there's it's much, still- much more that could be worse. Well, I mean, I think it's still valid to feel both of those things, like to be grateful, but at the same time, still be mad that this Mm -hmm. happened to you. Um, I think a lot of people feel guilty because of that, Um, but it's still like this is going to affect you every day. And it it was a traumatic experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So I am just allowing you. This is me giving you permission (laughs) to feel both of those things. Um, Thank you. But yeah, with with this experience, um, was there is there anything that you wish that more people knew about any of this, it, whether it's the eyeball or your anxiety, anything? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish people would take protecting their skin in general more seriously. Everyone's like, oh, it's crispy season. Oh, I'm going to put baby oil on and burn until I fry. And I'm like, no, like this is serious. You think melanoma is just, Oh, let me take a scalpel and remove a little freckle on you. And you know, you go on your merry way, but it's, I think two people every hour or something in the United States die from melanoma. It's very, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's It's the most fatal cancer, I think. Right. Or highest rates. Highest rate probably. Yeah. So I wish people would protect their skin and their eyes because you don't realize that your eyes are so vulnerable to the sunlight and everything but luckily contacts have uv protection and i think sunglasses protect you too pretty well mm-hmm. could be wrong could be wrong but definitely contacts so that's what, good to know what about the blue light filter glasses does that protect you i don't know <laughs> well, that's not, i don't know that's just i think it's a different <laughs> different, different kind thing of it's not uv but it's not good <laughs> for you that's more yeah it's not good for you either i don't think yeah that's um, another whole thing but i i think you're right that's that's good advice. I've Absolutely. learned my lesson in the sun um, with oh, the no. cellulitis. 
Um, she she checked in on me quite a bit with that one. <laughs> it felt so bad. Oh yeah, who could yeah. who could forget? I x I x ray a lot of cellulitis, so. <laughs> oh, oh, you have to x ray cellulitis? They just poked yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> the oh. hospital is very obsessed with, you know, cover your ass. So if they see yeah. any swelling, they have to rule out fracture. So. We actually mm. a lot of cellulitis. <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson. I'm staying out of the sun and remembering that I'm photosensitive. Um, so I have another question um, about your experience and what people say. Did anybody say any unsolicited, stupid comments or give you stupid advice throughout this experience? Um, there's really not anything that I can think of off the top of my head um, regarding my eye journey um the only thing that I can think of it doesn't really answer this question but there's a word that bothers me so much I don't know if it's my like mental trauma from this but I absolutely hate the word remission Mm. because Mm. in my mind remission is just like a temporary lapse so when people like I tell people my story and they go oh so you're in remission and I'm like no I'm cancer free it's never coming back and this was a chapter in my life and it's closed. I don't know. I just, I absolutely hate the word remission. Right. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a trigger word for me. Yeah. I don't think people know what it means. Um, no. Because all it, it, that's used a lot in the Crohn's community too, because you're never cured of your Crohn's. You're in remission. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm in remission right now, but it's going to come back at some point, hopefully never, but I'm not cured. Um, and you know other diseases obviously use that too but people don't know what that means or they will associate it with cancer and then they'll be like right. what yeah. but it could still but I mean, regardless of if it's true for you or for somebody mm-hmm. else or not true for somebody else even if it's true it still could be affecting so they should be careful when they use a word like that i think that's what yeah that's also kind of the thing right i mean even if it's medically true it may not be helpful or or kind to say yeah you know yeah and it kind of I guess reminds you of like what could have been, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. and that's not yeah, that's not fun. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was a that was a, I learned like I knew a lot about your story obviously because we're pals, but um, you said it like eight times. Like people are gonna. I need to prove myself. Uh, who, who are you trying to prove that to? Um, the audience or I, yourself? Uh, it's a formal <laughs> announcement that I I have friends. <laughs> there were starting to be murmurs in the community about that. Like we don't actually believe that she would be friends with another Kayla. <laughs> um <laughs> but even so, like hearing you be able to talk about it and tell it soup to nuts, um I it hard for me not to cry too, just knowing like especially that you were alone for those four days. Um and, uh, but I'm happy that you finally <laughs> wrote into the show and we're able to talk about it today. Um, For sure. But I, there, I know we covered a lot, but was there anything else that you wanted to uh, tell our listeners about and share with the world? <laughs> Ricky, do you have any other questions? No, that's it. We, I, I, I thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Obviously, this is not something that's easy to talk about. You know, you spoke about it, you know, eloquently and in, in, in a way that I think is, you know, informative to folks that are listening. And I hope that it was uh, helpful for you, you as well, or at least you didn't mind sharing with us because we do appreciate it. Thanks for the sick invite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>